you front rowers, you can now head to Sprouts. I'm going to miss you though, but have so much fun. Um, Hey, so as you probably realize by now, Jason is not here this morning. He is trying to keep the querying schedule straight. He is in Denver for the Twins' football tournament. And I believe Nicole is in Las Vegas for Tatum's basketball tournament. So it's hard to keep track of them. They're all over the place. So um, unfortunately, you're not um, just getting me for announcements. You're getting me all morning. So sorry about that. But um, we, can, we can also put that back on Jason too. Um, but hey, it is good to be together. I love that song, Goodness of God. It's always been one of those since it came out that just really speaks to my heart. Um, but if we need any more proof of God's goodness than we already have, think about this. God has given us 10,000 taste buds. Did you, did you guys know that? 10,000 taste buds? Like, that's a lot, you know? Um, that just reveals to me, like, God is a loving God. Like, he could have just said, hey, food is just for fuel. Like, just fuel your bodies. It'll give you the strength you need. Um, and all of that. But he's like, no, it's so much more than that. Like, I want you to enjoy the good food that I have given you. Um, some of you, I don't know if, if some of you have had COVID and lost your taste and your smell, um, but, but I've talked to some friends that, that did lose their taste and their smell, and it still hasn't come back, and they're so frustrated by it. It's like so, uh, so painful to, to eat without being able to enjoy, you know, all the savory, sweet, sour, um, all of the delicious tastes that come with those taste buds. Um, so I think that's just a gift of his grace. If you haven't realized already, um, we're talking about food this morning. So um, that's pretty exciting. If your, your stomach hasn't already started to start to rumble and grumble a little bit, um, it, might, it might by the end of this. So um, we are talking about what it looks like to live out the fourth rhythm of discipleship, which is eating. So pretty exciting, but we're not just going to talk about, you know, burgers and fries today. We're actually going to go a lot deeper than that and talk about what it looks like to live out this rhythm of eating as discipleship. So if you think about it, eating is a, is a really natural rhythm of life. Like if I think about my day in very general, broad terms, it's, okay, I wake up, I eat breakfast, I get some work done, then I eat lunch, and then I finish my work day or whatever I have going on, then I eat dinner. And then before long, I'm calling it a day and I'm going to bed and I repeat the cycle the next day. Like eating is a huge rhythm of our lives. And it's one that I don't think about that often, but it's, it's there every single day. And, and, I, and I don't realize how much of my day revolves around the, the table, around mealtimes. So from the beginning to the end, the Bible is just filled with with, uh, with stories and metaphor, metaphors and commandments and teachings about food. And that's pretty awesome. Like God created it and he talks about it. In the beginning um, in Genesis, we have this beautiful picture of how God created all things. And he created all of these wonderful and amazing fruit trees for us to enjoy. And, and we could enjoy, Adam and Eve could enjoy all but one of those trees. And then if you look at verses like Isaiah 25, 6, it actually prophesies about this fulfillment at the end of the kingdom, when the kingdom of God is fulfilled, um, it says this in Isaiah 25, 6. It says, in Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet 
with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. So in that day when all the wrong in the world is made right and all that has gone, um, all that has been broken is restored and fixed, there's gonna be an amazing and extravagant feast that we get to enjoy. Like that's pretty cool. Like God has said, in that day, there's gonna be a table and all are invited. So I just love that prophecy of the meal when the kingdom of God is restored. So last week, Jason talked about the rhythm of celebrating. And, and I think one of the ways that we get about celebrating is, is around the table. It's around mealtime. And, and so um, if you think about it, sharing tables is one of the most uniquely human things that we do as, as people, right? Like um, none of the other creatures that God created share a meal around the table, it's just humans. It reminds me of that video. Um, have you seen the YouTube video that went viral of like these two guys pretending to be animals, like eating at the table together? It's like animals trying to eat um, like humans or something like that. Or I forget exactly what it's called, but look it up. It's hilarious. There's like these two guys and there's, there's food on the table and they're like a rhino and they just like barrel through the table and destroy it. But I think of that, it's like, it's making fun of it because animals don't eat at the table. Humans are the only creatures that God has created that eat around a table. I think that's awesome. I think this sharing meals together is so good because it's, it speaks to every single culture, every single people group, every nation does this. I've had opportunity to go overseas um, in college and in that time of my life to, to places like Thailand and Romania and, and Israel. And one of my favorite memories was just the amazing time around the tables with with people I didn't know, with, with the team that I was there with, um, people in that culture. And there were just extravagant feasts that would last for hours. There was no rush. There was no, um, it wasn't forced. It wasn't, let's just eat and then move on with our day as quick as we can. It was, no, this is an intentional time to be together and to share life and to share stories and to get to know each other. And so I think the time around the table is so important. Um, growing up, Oftentimes on Friday nights, not every week, but, but quite often on Friday nights, we would have skinny pancake night as a family. Skinny pancakes are kind of like crepes, but they're, we call them, they're like Russian pancakes. So it's like a big part of my, my heritage, um, kind of like Dutch pancakes. But it was awesome because we'd sit around the table and my, my mom just had one skillet like this big. And so you can only do one pancake at a time. And each one took about five-ish minutes to cook. And so there's five people in my family. So if you do the math, it would take like 25, 30 minutes before you got your next pancake. So it'd be eat, wait, 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 eat, and then repeat. And so it was a lot of waiting. And I just remember squirming in my seat so impatient because, ah, it's my sister's turn and it's my dad's turn. And so it'd be, it'd be so painful sometimes to, um, to have to wait. But looking back on it now, I'm thankful for those times because we would probably spend around two hours around the table together, sharing about our weeks, anticipating the weekend, um, goofing off, laughing, sharing stories. And it was a rich time as a family that we didn't always have other times throughout the week. Um, I think my mom probably had, you know, she was really intentional probably with that. I didn't realize it at the time, like, if we do skinny pancakes tonight, we're gonna have two hours as a family. And she probably really enjoyed me squirming in my seat for two hours, but um, it was so good. And it was really good to slow down 
as a family. I think this act of sharing a family meal together, though, is becoming so rare, especially in our, in our day and age where everything is so fast and there's so much technology and there's so many other things going on. I think this is a practice that's kind of lost, just time around the family dinner table. Um, and I get that. Crazy schedules, getting kids off to different things, um, getting home late from work, meal prep, it takes time. So I get that. Um, I was laughing with Allie because last week for Mother's Day, we got reservations up at an Italian restaurant, Toscano, up in Draper. Really good place. Kind of more of a fancier Italian restaurant. And and we envisioned it as, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to order. We're going to get food and drink. And we're just going to stare into each other's eyes and tell each other how much we love each other. And you're such an amazing mom, Allie. And it's going to be so good. And Audrey's just going to stare at us smiling like, ah, this is wonderful. That's our fantasy. Reality was that she was going nuts. And so Allie and I were laughing because we're just like racing, scarfing down our food the entire time. Like, check, please. Let's go. And, and we still enjoyed it, but it wasn't the quality experience that we were maybe hoping for. And so I get it. Like, it's hard in this day and age with kids and with, with all these other things to, to really sit down around a table with nowhere to be and, and, and just completely unplug and just be present with those around you. But I think it's so incredibly important. So what does this look like for us as followers of Jesus? How does this apply um, specifically for us as, as Jesus followers? I think it's so much more than just filling our bellies with good food. Like, yeah, God wants to sustain us. He wants this to be fuel for us. But I think as followers of Jesus, he calls, us to, calls it to be very intentional. And, and so I think that's what Jesus wants to show us today. So we're gonna learn from Jesus if that's okay. I wanna walk through seven things that the intentional table does or produces. You know, you can just sit down and eat a meal and feel full and then move on with your day. But what does it look like to intentionally think about how we, how we share meals together? So um, the first one, what does the intentional table do? The intentional table draws people in. If you've ever walked past um, a restaurant on the street or wherever, and you just smell like this amazing aroma, like, I want to go in and eat in there. Like it smells so good. So it draws you in and, and you enjoy your meal there. But food brings people together. Um, regardless of where you come from, what your story is, everyone has a need and a desire to eat. It's a common need that we all share. And so this, this idea of eating together draws people together, no matter of where they came from. It creates a safe and shared space to talk, to share stories, to get to know people. Um, with that being said, you have to be really careful with it, that it's not this bait and switch deal to where it's like, oh yeah, I'll buy you lunch as long as you commit to following Jesus. Like that's not the discipleship we're talking about. It's not a sales pitch. It's not a gimmick but it's an invitation. Jesus was so good at inviting people. And, and I think people saw when Jesus would invite them that he was different. What is it that drew people to Jesus over the table? I think it was his genuine love. He didn't have hidden motives. He didn't have secret agendas. He just loved people and he invited them to come in. So I think that's that, that, that sweet aroma that, that we get to share with people when we invite people in. So it draws people together. It, it brings us together 
as a family. So that's number one, it draws people in. Number two, the intentional table builds friendship. It builds friendship. Um, who remembers what Jesus was accused of doing quite often? I know there's a lot of things, but I'm thinking about the times where the Pharisees, the religious leaders accused Jesus of, of being a glutton and a drunkard and eating with sinners. Um, there's a verse, I believe it's Luke 7, 34. I believe we have it up there. Yeah, it said, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was getting accused of being a friend of sinners. I think that's profound. Jesus really shook things up with who he hung out with. He hung out with the outcast. He hung out with those that didn't have a group. They didn't have a friend group. And Jesus brought them in, um, the people that others stayed away from. And, and I love this because I think it reveals that Jesus cared more for them as people and human beings than he did their past behavior or their past sin or whatever they were even doing in that moment in their careers or in their lifestyles. Jesus cared about them as people more than, more than their behavior. And so he pursued sinners and he, he welcomed them in. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I said, just, I wanna change you right now. It was, let's become friends I want to get to know you and I want to speak into your life in a loving way because that's what's best for you. But he did it all around love. And so I think this time over meals is one of the greatest ways to not only start, but also build and cultivate friendships. I think it's a huge part of it. So that's number two. Number three, the intentional table creates equality. It creates equality. Uh, back in the days of the early church, the Roman Empire um, if you studied any history on the Roman Empire, they would throw extravagant feasts. And these were huge. They were huge parties, huge celebrations. But at these, there was this strict ranking system of order of importance at the tables. And so the place of honor at the head of the table, um, the highest ruler or the king would sit there at the head of the table. And then it would often be the host and his wife and, and the next highest guests of honor. And then after that, it was the next lowest social class. And then at the very end of the table was the next lowest social class. But those that were the outcast or, or the not as prominent in the society, they weren't even invited. They didn't get an invite. And, and so you see, that's kind of how the Roman empire through their feasts, um, what happened was this early, the early Corinthian church started to adapt some of these Roman practices as, as that was their culture. And so the early church started to, to follow the same order of importance. And, and Paul comes in and calls them out. It's basically saying, what are you doing? Do you not remember the gospel? The gospel is the great equalizer. The gospel is that Christ's sacrifice was for everyone. The foot is level at the foot of the cross, right? The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And so Paul's reminding them of this to remember the gospel. Remember that there's not an order of importance in the kingdom of God. We're all sinners saved by Jesus. And so Paul's reminding them of that. The table should be a place of unity and equality. It's the great equalizer. So whether it's rich or poor, male and female, blue collar, white collar, light skinned, dark skinned, whatever. Like it's the great equalizer. Everyone has a spot at the table in the kingdom of God. And so that should also be the reality here on earth for us as followers of him. So it creates equality. 
Um, number four, the intentional table welcomes and restores brokenness. Um, there's a ton of examples in scripture of Jesus welcoming the broken. Like everywhere you look, Jesus is welcoming, like we just talked about, the sinners, the broken, the outcast. I can't help but think of Peter. If you know, if you know about Peter, he, was, he had quite the personality. He was a firecracker, but he was kind of like Jesus, his wingman. Like, Jesus, if you need anything, I got you. And so Peter was, was right there, kind of the right-hand man. I'll take care of it type of thing. But Peter also denied Jesus three times right before Jesus um, was crucified. So after Jesus was arrested and, and Jesus was about ready to go before trial, Peter was asked three times, you know this Jesus guy, right? I saw you with him. And he denied him not one, not two, but three times. And, and he felt absolutely terrible. Luke 22 says that after he did this, he went outside and wept bitterly. So if you've ever said something that came out of your mouth and you just feel horrible about it immediately afterwards, you're like, oh my goodness, what have I said? Like, I just wonder how that's gonna be received or I wonder how that hurt that person and you just feel devastated. Imagine being Peter who, who basically said, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'll do anything for you just hours earlier. And then he denies him three times in a row. Like that was devastating for him. But then in the last chapter of John, there's this amazing scene where, where Jesus redeems Peter's mistake. So Peter and the disciples were out fishing. This was after Jesus had, had resurrected and he appears to them on the shore and, and tells the guys, hey, come have breakfast with me come to the shore. And this was just after Jesus had helped them throw the nets to the other side and bring in like 153 fish after they had caught nothing all night. But he brings them to the shore and he has a fire going. He has fish on the fire and he has bread. He's like, guys, you've had a long night. Come sit and have breakfast with me. And so they share a meal together. And during that meal, we see that Jesus not only welcomed him in, Peter, but then he restores him. He reinstates him in, in his role of, of building his church. He's kind of like, Peter, you're still my guy. Like, I know what you did, but I forgive you. And, and I want you to be the one who builds my church. You are gonna follow me and do amazing things. Now go and follow me and take care of my church. I think that's amazing um, just to see that over this meal, Jesus takes one of his best friends who was broken, who was devastated by what he had done, welcomes him and then builds him back up. Um, the intentional table opens doors for broken people to come and find healing. I love that. Number five, the intentional table provides nourishment, right? So um, something significant happens during a wheel. We all come hungry during a meal. We come hungry um, we're, we're, we're needing food. We need to be nourished physically. That's a common need that we all share. But it also provides nourishment for our souls, especially as believers, when we share a meal together, not only does it fill our bellies, but it provides encouragement. Um, it gives opportunity to build each other up, to speak into each other's lives, to encourage and, and, and those types of things as we remember Jesus. If you flash back to our last uh, Jesus Is series, uh, one of the weeks we talked about how Jesus names himself a food. Do you remember what that was? Jesus is the, yeah, you guys are sharp, the bread of life, right? So in John, in John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So this intentional time around the tables nourishes both our bodies and our souls. Um, Sometimes a meal can be exactly what we need coming off of really rough days or rough seasons of life. It it provides opportunities um, as a church family to come together to say, you're struggling, you're hurting. I want to encourage you. I want to nourish your soul as we fill our bellies together. So I think it's, it's a huge part of our journey together as a, as a family. Number six, the intentional table advances mission. I think this is, I think this is huge. I was really struck as I was studying for this week. Um, I was reading some commentaries and it said the New Testament says the son of man came, dot, 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 It uses that three times in all the New Testament. I found it really interesting how they finished that sentence, the son of man came. The first one says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark 10, 45. The second one is, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10. So those first two, those are both statements of, of what was Jesus's mission? Why did he come? He came to serve people by giving his life as a ransom and he came to seek and save the lost. Like that is Jesus's mission. I love that. So the first two are statements of mission. The third one is the statement of his method. How did Jesus do these things? How did he come? And in Luke, 30, uh, Luke 7, 34, it says, the son of man came eating and drinking, right? Like I had no idea that was the third time that that was used. The son of man accomplished his mission by eating and drinking. I think that's profound. So Jesus didn't just eat and drink to, to survive, to fuel his body. Like it was an intentional part of his mission. That's why he did it. The gospel of Luke alone records at least nine different meals that Jesus shared with people. That's just in one gospel. And they're, they're littered throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, but for Jesus, the meal, the table wasn't just a pit stop where he's like, all right, let's sit and let's keep going. The meal was Jesus' most important part of the day. The meal was his mission. That's where he, that's where he loved people. That's, who, that's where he, he listened to people. That's how he built friendship. And that's where he shared with people what the kingdom of God is going to be like. The disciples had all kinds of questions like, what are you doing? Why are you here? What's the future going to look like? Jesus would tell them about the kingdom of God over a meal. I just love how he used that time to advance his mission. And and it's a great way for for the kingdom of God to grow. (laughs) I, uh, we have a quote from, from N.T. Wright. He's a New Testament scholar. And he said it like this, when Jesus himself wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. I'm like, whoa, that's the last supper. He gave them a meal. He didn't just say, I'm going to go do this. This is what this means. But he showed them by feeding them and, and sharing the last supper together. So as we think about discipleship and mission around the table, Um, maybe instead of our first thing being, oh, we need to invite someone to church. We need to to tell them about Jesus. Maybe one of the first things we can do is invite them over for a meal. 
Maybe that is the first thing that we can do um, as part of this rhythm of discipleship. You know, a lot has changed in our world since, since Jesus, Jesus's time. So much has changed. The one thing that hasn't, people are still eating. People still need to be fed. People still enjoy food and drink. And so I think that's a great rhythm that Christ wants us to keep practicing in his mission. So that's number six, it advances mission. Number seven, the intentional table, table encourages remembrance. I think this one is maybe the most important out of all of them. Time around the table is an opportunity to remember God's goodness. Not only as the giver of this food, like thank you God for this amazing steak. Thank you for this amazing drink. You're a good God. Thank you for the 10,000 taste buds. But also thank you for being the giver of life. Thank you for all that you've done. So maybe it's a simple prayer. Maybe it's just time around the table to say, hey, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Like, what is, what is God showing you? Um, or maybe it's celebrating communion as a family. These are all different ways to, to remember Jesus as we share a meal together. So I wanted to read to you what Jesus um, said to his disciples during the Last Supper. And, and this was the last time um, that Jesus had a meal before going to the cross. And, and I think not only is it the last meal that he had with his disciples, but I think it's also a launching point for this new rhythm of life um, and of mission through all of life, this, this rhythm of eating and remembering Jesus. So it's 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So every time we eat, not just when we do communion, that is obviously what Jesus is speaking to as well. But I think it's an every time you eat and break bread together, remember me. Remember that my body was broken for you. Remember that my blood was shed for you. I think that's so incredibly important and it gives meaning and purpose to everything, especially when we remember his death and his sacrifice. So here in a little bit, just a minute or two, we're gonna take communion together and, and remember and celebrate what Jesus has done. Um, but before we do that, I, I wanted to take just a few minutes and talk about practical application to all of this. What does it look like? Like, yeah, it's probably one of the most practical ways we can live out discipleship and mission. Um, but let's unpack this just a little bit. Um, each week we've talked about how this applies to the up rhythm, the in rhythm, and then the out rhythm of life. And so this week with eating as a rhythm of life, the up rhythm, us and God, it's communion with God. It is, it's an amazing, amazing reality. When I was studying this, I'm like, this is so profound. Jesus' sacrifice gave us a seat at his table. Like it gave us a spot to commune with him with our Lord, our creator, God Almighty forever. It's guaranteed like no one can ever take this spot at, at the table away from us. 
through our faith in him. Like that's incredible. So we can commune with God daily. You know, everywhere we go, whether we're out in the mountains, whether we're at a table, whether we're in the car, whether we're, you know, at work or, or whatever we're doing, God invites us daily to just commune with him, to be with him. And that's only possible by his sacrifice and, and by what he did. Like his reservation, our reservation at the table of God cost him everything. It cost him everything, but we get to enjoy it. We get to freely enjoy communion with him. So let's thank him for that. That's that up rhythm. The in rhythm, communion as a family. So we're gonna do that here. Um, but it also looks like things every single day of the week, like connect groups throughout the week. We share a meal together. That's a great way. Um, other things like coffee before work, like, hey, let's go grab coffee before the kids are up or before you go off to work, men's and women's groups, things like that. Um, like after church, we go out and eat lunch together. And so like today we'll probably, whoever is sticking around, we'll say, hey, where are we going? And we'll go grab lunch. Um, lunch during the week, hey, I have a lunch break. I have an hour. What's your favorite restaurant? Mark, you are legendary for this because you're always like, hey, I know this awesome new restaurant. Let's go try it out. And so Mark always has the inside scoop with that. But I think that's part of it is saying, hey, I have an hour. I'm already eating. Come with me. Let's go share a meal together. I think it can be picnics in the park. It could be backyard barbecues, anything like that with your, with your family unit or with us as a church family or, or just your neighbors, your relationships with, with other believers. I think it's so very important that we do that together. It encourages us. It, it brings rich community as the body of Christ. And then this out rhythm, it's communion with the, with the neighborhood, it's communion with our community. And so um, part of this is, yeah, let's eat and be friends with the not yet followers of Jesus in our lives. Like we live in one of the greatest mission fields in all of North America, if not the world. Like there are a lot of people here that are broken, that are confused, that are hardened by religion, that, that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Let's invite them in. Let's, let's send the invites. Let's pursue relationship and friendship and see what God does with that. You know, um, we've talked about the rhythms, like listening, celebrating, blessing. I think this week of eating gives a platform for all of these other things to be lived out. Hey, I want to bless someone this week. How can you do that? Well, have them over for dinner. How can I celebrate um, a good friend who just graduated or um, got a promotion? You could, I don't know, maybe like make him a cake or, or something like that. Like how can food and the, and the table be an opportunity to celebrate someone? How can you listen to someone? It's like, hey, I'll buy you lunch. Like I'm going out, let, let, let's go try out this place. I'll buy you lunch and then let's just talk. I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to share my story, how life is going. And so it's a great opportunity to live out all of those other rhythms that we've talked about. It's pretty awesome that discipleship gets to be done around food and drink. Like how cool is that? That God gave us that as, as a tool for discipleship. So that takes us to our action step for this week. Um, what does this look like? What's our challenge for this week? We all eat somewhere around 21 meals a week, give or take. Some of you are breakfast people. Some of you aren't. Um, but 21 meals, 14 meals, whatever it is, share three of those meals with someone else, one of which being a not yet follower 
of Jesus. And then to see what God does with that, see how God uses that. It might not be a super, super deep conversation, but that's okay. Like it builds friendship, it builds trust. It it allows you to get to know people better. And God uses all of that. And so um, that's our action step. Um, And hey, we can even count communion as the first one. That is definitely part of the in and the out. So you got one, one done, two more. And and then let's talk about that with connect groups and and throughout the week. Let's, Let's share how that goes and what God's showing us through that. Um, and hey, some of this might be risky and uncomfortable. I get that. Like there's been times where I've been like, I don't really know this person very well. I don't know if it's gonna go well. Um, and sometimes I am obedient to that and sometimes I'm not. Uh, but I do believe that God uses the risky times, the, the uncomfortable times, and he moves in those times even more. And so let's be hospitable. Let's use the resources, the time that God gives us to share our lives, to invite people to our tables and and to see what God does with that. So I want to invite Allie and Rich back up. Um, They have a couple more songs and and we're going to share communion. I am so glad that we get to do this on on a day that we're talking about eating as discipleship because like that first in rhythm of this, it is communion with God. And so whether you've maybe made the decision for the first time this morning that, hey, God, I want to follow you. Thank you so much for welcoming me to your table. I'm just now understanding what your sacrifice is all about. If that's you for the first time making that decision, that commitment to follow Jesus, you are welcome to come up and take communion. If this is, you know, your thousandth time, if you've been following Jesus for 50 years, come on up and take communion. It's for everyone who is following and chasing after Jesus and wants to celebrate him. So let's take that time um, in these next few moments as as Allie and Rich play, just center your hearts, center your hearts on God's love, remembering that, yeah, his body was broken. The bread of life was broken, beaten, crushed, crucified so that we can have life and so that we can be forgiven and accepted with him. This is amazing. So let's reflect on this. As I pray, um, and then they can, as, as, as they start this first song, um, come on up. You can come up individually or as a family, however you want to do it. Um, and you can either grab the prepackaged communion and, and do that or take it back to your seat, or you can grab the, the bread and dip it in the juice and do it that way. Um, but just pray that this would be meaningful for all of us and, and that it would really um, cause us to remember Jesus. So let's go ahead and pray. God, I thank you so much for your love. God, this morning, um, as we talk about what it looks like to, to be welcome to your table, and then in return, God, you invite us to welcome others to our tables. God, thank you so much that, that you give us this. Um, that you give us food for so much more than than just something that fills us up. But God, you give it as a gift that builds us up spiritually, that feeds our souls, that builds relationship, that advances your mission, that that brings us to remembering you. And so God, I just thank you so much that, that this all starts because of what you've done for us. Lord, just help us in these moments to remember who you are, 
that our reservation at your table cost you everything and that we can just come freely by faith and accept your presence into our lives this morning. God, we praise you. Just pray that you would be glorified this morning and we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. We pray this in your name. Amen.